Good morning, Lancaster First. I love your pastor. What a great heart and a great leader. Again, your pastor Mark and, and pastor Paul. You know, I was thinking about just a couple stories, and and I believe it was at an ordination service. And it's probably the most formal service we do in the Assemblies of God. And what that is in that service is you have, um, uh, it's when our newly ordained ministers, our hands are laid on them, and it, it's, it's a real big celebration. But it's, it's again, very dressy affair. And I remember uh, we were at GT Church in Reading for that service. And uh, as they were working out some things, there was a problem with one of the tracks uh, one of the musical background tracks. So they realized, you know, on the spot they had to go live with it. And so uh, the worship leader, Christian Walker, he called over and he asked Paul, could you come and could you lead? And, uh, and, and Paul was in the middle of a store, kind of just dressed casually because he had time before the service started, but he had to get to practice. So he's like, well, I need to go home and change and everything. No, just come as you are. So he walks in in Bermuda shorts and a tank top. No, no, it wasn't. It, it, but it wasn't real formal. I mean, he had his sneakers on, and we're like, nobody will see the sneaks. You'll be behind the, you know, the, the keyboard and all that. And uh, but, but I think I lent you my uh, my sport coat on that occasion as well. But you know, I, I think he's so quick to uh, to fly into action when there's a need. And uh, I'm so grateful for uh, for just who you are, not just what you do. And, and I'm thinking to myself, so before the service, we went into Pastor Paul's office, and, and he gave me the microphone, and, and uh, as I was in there, when I went and put the mic on, I laid my notes on his desk. And we all left, and I left the notes on the desk. And then I went back to get it, right before as worship starting, and the, the office was locked. And I'm like, okay, what do I do now? And I saw Pastor Mark there. And I said, you know, Pastor Mark, do you happen to have the key to his office? He said, no, I don't, but I can get it for you. I love that kind of an attitude. And so, uh, so he springs into action. Well, as you can see, his springer has kind of sprung. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so with it, I, I, I saw him. And then when he's like, you know, the knee and kind of walking, and I'm thinking to myself, what a sacrificial gift you gave to me today. Because he had to walk all the way in the back and get the key and walk back up. Thank you, Mark, for serving us. But, uh, you know, again, I, yeah, I, I love your pastors. Can we show appreciation to them one more time? So, um, it's, it's been a challenging season, folks, for all of us, hasn't it? And so, you know, in the midst of all of this, and we're still walking through stuff, and and today I want to talk to you about being brave, about what it means to live by faith when you're going through storms and what that looks like. And, and we're in the midst of those. So, you know, and, and with that, you know, just uh, there's so many things that are attacking and coming at us. But but let me tell you, God's word is what we can anchor our life on and anchoring it on the Lord. And, and I love what Paul writes to Timothy in his second letter to Timothy he says this. He said, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
And, and, you know, we say these things, and if you're in the church world for a while, if you're in the family of God, you'll hear this verse said time and time again. But I want you to understand, all of these components are important. If you have power and authority but don't have love, that's not healthy. And at the same time, if you have love and you say, okay, I don't have a spirit of fear, but I have a sound mind, you, all of these things... We've got to have all of these things. So again, I'm not going to, you know, with that, making sure that we understand. So uh, as we walk through this today, what does that look like for us? You know, today, just uh, any hunters here? Anybody hunt? Okay, a few hunters. I see a couple hands going up. This is, you know, again, getting ready, bow and arrow season right now and, and kind of walking through that. I do a a men's conference next weekend. We have a men's conference at CLA and, and uh, over in Camp Hill and kind of walking through this. But for the hunters, I always have to be careful when I plan my events because I don't want to do it on the first day of hunting season. In fact, you know, the, hunt, the deer are preparing for this. Uh, you know, I just driving by, saw one wearing Kevlar this morning. So, here's, you know, again, just, uh, okay, well, I, no, I didn't really drive by and see it. I pulled it off the internet, but you know how that works. Uh, you know, but when you look at it, don't you feel sometimes you have to wear Kevlar because of attacks that come at you? And they can come from you from all different sides. I mean, just start talking about politics. Just put a sign on your front yard. I saw one of the best signs yesterday. It said, Jesus 2020. And I'm like, there we go. Um, and, and so as we walk through this, what does this look like for us? You know, the story of, that, that's told in Matthew chapter 14, I think helps us to kind of get a real feel as to what happens in the midst of how we handle fear. Let me give you a little background as we move into Matthew 14, verses 22 to 23. And, uh, it, and it says, right away, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. So let me talk to you about what happened a little before that. And... Uh, and so as we kind of walk through that, anytime you want to put that scripture up behind me, go for it. And we'll get the deer off the screen. That's perfect. Thank you up there, Ron. So as we kind of walk through this, uh, right, right before this, there was the feeding of the 5,000. Great miracle. Great miracle. And, and when that was done, what happens? Uh, you know, there, there's that the, you go from that. And Jesus goes and he pulls himself away and he takes time to pray and seek God. You'll see that over and over again. You'll also see that uh, as you walk through this and everything that's happening in here, it comes to the place where hearing about John the Baptist being beheaded, and again there's grief, and in the midst of all of that, you know, what does Jesus do? He always pulls himself aside. Whether it's huge mountaintop experiences or whether it's down valley low experiences, Jesus will take some time and he'll get alone with God and he'll let God pour into his spirit. The problem that many of us have is we move from one thing to another thing to another thing to another thing. And we don't pause to process what just happened and to process it with the Lord and to pray about it. Pam, what a great testimony and just about what God's been doing. But taking that time to pray in our life. But here's, here it is. So the crowd has been really big. And they just fed the 5,000. And as that happens, what happens next is he sends the disciples on their way. 
And it's amazing. It's 5,000 plus women and children, by the way. Tremendous event. And so with that, it said he had them go on ahead of him to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Then he sent the crowd away. Then he dispersed them. After he had sent them away, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. Took some alone time. And then it goes on and it says, The boat was already a long way from land. It was being pounded by the waves because the wind was blowing against it. Now again, the storms that come, some storms are mild. This was a pretty ferocious storm. This was a really bad storm. Sherry and I uh, used to have a boat. We, they say the two happiest days are the day you buy a boat and the day you sell a boat. And uh, so we had a boat, and it was a 17-foot bay liner. And, and you know, we'd always check the weather forecast, and we'd go out on the, you know, on the lake uh, with the boat. And it, and it was great. We loved it. Uh, but I'll tell you, the days I didn't love it is when I got stuck in a storm. And then there's lightning and thunder, and you're, see- and you're just like, I can't believe I'm out here in the middle of this. The disciples were very afraid during that time. You know, and I think there's storms that you and I face all the time in our lives. And sometimes when we face these storms, we think, okay, God's not here. I love what T.G. Jake says. He says this, don't take the presence of the storm to indicate the absence of God. Because God is there in the midst of the storm. Whatever storm you're facing, God is in the midst of that. And so let's talk about the storms. There's health storms that we face. And they can come at us out of nowhere. I'll be honest with you, sometimes they come out of nowhere. Sometimes they come because I haven't used wisdom. It's like taking a boat out in the middle of storms. And so I I find myself... I've had to battle health for a very long time. My genetics aren't real good for my heart. Um, my dad passed away last June at the age of 82, so I thank God for the life that he lived and how he came to Jesus. But in the midst of all that, my dad had 28 stents, and he had a quadruple heart bypass. 28 stents. I mean, that's crazy. And, and so with that, I've got to be really careful, and I haven't always been a good steward. And let me tell you, COVID-19 was not good to me. I gained 19 during COVID-19, you know? And so I've been working hard at it the last few months to just get back on track. Let me encourage you that if you're at a place in your life right now where you can get control of your diet, if you could start exercising, someplace you have to put a stake in the ground and say, I'm changing this. I'm changing this. And so in the middle of this, you got to get out of the storm. And we, we pray that God will deliver us from the storms, but sometimes we've got to make the change to get out of the storm. So I'm going to just throw this out to you. It was 2011. I was actually, I'm doing the math right now in my head. I was 57 pounds heavier than I am today. That's the equivalent of four bowling balls that I carried with me every moment of the day. And so I remember that I got on a scale uh, with some friends that you guys know, Earl and Danielle Winters. And so Earl and Danielle Winters, they're, they're family to us. We're related through uh, Sherry's side of the family. And uh, we went to their house. And Earl has this thing called the Great Green Big Egg or something like that, where he barbecues from. And so, you know, he made steaks and we ate amazing. And it was, it was awesome. 
And I got back to the house, and it was so good, but I ate way too much. And I went upstairs, and I stepped on the scale, and I said, today, I'm going to change this. Of course, after I ate all the steaks. <laughs> so today, I make the change. And so I remember going downstairs, and I've got two girls, and they were, again, they're very health conscious. And uh, my do one daughter's a flexitarian. You know what that is? That's I'm a vegetarian most of the time, but if I'm in Philly, I want a cheesesteak. So that's a flexitarian. So, uh, and, but they've been able to maintain, I mean, just really good fit and uh, fitness. And so I went downstairs and I told them, I said, I'm going to become a, veg uh, a, a vegetarian. I'm going to change my diet. And they said, Dad, don't joke with us. And I said, what? I'm serious. And he said, Dad, no, no, you're joking with us. And actually, I didn't become a vegetarian. I, I did a little bit more research. I became a flexitarian. No, not a flexitarian, because I, I would probably eat cheesesteaks every day. Uh, I became a pescatarian. And you go, did he say he just became a Presbyterian? No, it wasn't a Presbyterian. So for those of you watching online, it wasn't a Presbyterian. It was a pescatarian. You can Google it. And, uh, and, and basically, it's you eat fish in addition to... Uh, you know, but no meat. And so, and you go, well, are you against meat? And no, at that point, I knew I had to, see, I tried tweaking before, and tweaking doesn't work for me. I had to actually say, I'm going to change something right here, and it has to be a drastic change. And I've done that over the last nine years at different times. I've done different steps, and so now I'm on that, you know, cutting out carbs kind of a thing. I realized that uh, the balanced diet is the best way to do it. But what I'm telling you at this point is that some of us have gotten off the rails. Let today be a day that you just say, okay, I'm going to change it. Here's what I've learned along the way. You have to let those around you know that you are changing. Because if I decide to make a change and I don't tell anybody, I will change my mind within the next 24 hours when somebody offers me something really good. I just know that, or when I get that craving. So those are a couple of those thoughts and work through that, but the health storms. Do I believe that Jesus heals? Absolutely. But I also believe that we have to be good stewards of our bodies so that maybe he doesn't have to heal as much as, he, as we require him to. Uh, and if you can make those changes earlier in your life, it's definitely better, but it's never too late to change. There's financial storms. And so the financial storms that come... Uh, and, and right now, some of you that are in business, you own businesses, you're facing some of those. Some of you are in places where you're experiencing layoffs and kind of walking through all these things. It's a very, very challenging season. And again, in a lot of those situations, not anything that we did, but the storms around us. The emotional storms that we face, they can come at any particular time in our life, an emotional storm can brew. And sometimes, you know, in terms of our moods, some of the different things that we face, and then there's the relational storms. You know, I remember uh, my family tree is a family shrub. I've had three dads in my life. Uh, and when I mentioned my dad, dad number two, dad number two was not involved in my life for 19 years. When mom and dad got a divorce, I was a preschooler. It wasn't until my wedding day that I invited my dad back into my life. And, uh, and when Sherry and I got married, my dad came through the receiving line, and that's when I met my dad. And I've had a relationship with him since, until he passed away this past year, and including bringing him to a men's event, a men's conference, 
where he gave his life to Jesus. And so, you know, when you look at those things, I've seen what happens in relational storms, and I also pray that God will heal relational storms and relational breaks. Now, with that, uh, there's also secret storms that some of us face. And the secret storms that come, and, uh, and the secret storms that come right after relational storm, secret storms, they can hit us at any time. And the secret storms are probably one of the hardest storms that we face. Because, see, any of the other ones, you know, when there's a relational breakup and it's, it's public, there's a lot of people that gather around you and say, hey, I'm praying for you, I'm standing with you. When there's that diagnosis and you end up on the prayer list because you need healing, it's there. But the secret storms that we face are sometimes the toughest. They're the things that nobody knows about but you. And so what happens with the secret storms is, you know, we get up, we get ready, we come to church, we put the smile on, we meet people, we wave. Okay, we used to hug, but anyway, we wave, and everybody's like, everything is, you know, and, and, and everybody thinks we're in really good shape. You can even drive in in a beautiful car, and people think, man, they're doing really, really well. What they don't know is your four car payments behind. You know, when you look at that, and, and people look at your family and go, oh, what a perfect family. What they don't know is that somebody in that family is struggling with drug addiction. And so what happens in the secret storms, they're so difficult, the way that they, they, they're there and they surround us. Let me encourage you, if you're going through a secret storm, find somebody, somebody that you can talk to, that you trust, that will keep it confidential, but helps stand with you and help pray for you. You know, as we go through all of these things, you know, the disciples are in the middle of a storm. There's a physical storm. And in the middle of it, it says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to the disciples. He walked on the lake. They saw him walking on the lake, and they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. It's a ghost. What an appropriate message for Halloween. As you've seen all the ghosts, they go, it's a ghost, and they're afraid, and they're afraid for their life. What are you afraid of? There's all kinds of things we can become afraid of. So uh, let, me, let me throw, there's so many phobias, let me throw a few of them out there. Here's one of them. Take a look at this word here, uh, ornithobia. And you go, what in the world is that? Anybody know what that is? No, it's not a fear of the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> this couple... You guys have to stand. Both of you have to stand. I don't know if you saw this. They came in, and she's wearing a Philadelphia Eagles jersey, and he's wearing a Steelers jersey. God bless you. I hope there's no relational storms. And for those of you that are not into football, the Eagles play the Steelers today. So this should be an interesting afternoon for you both. Uh, but there's all kinds of fears. And so this one is the fear of birds. The fear of birds. This is our next door neighbor. They decorate for Halloween and they put like these crows on their railing. Let me just tell you, this stuff freaks my wife out. She is so afraid of birds. I think it goes back to they had a, a parakeet and it drowned in the sink while they were doing the dishes. And then later on she was working uh, and, and she was working uh, as a hairdresser and she was driving back from work and it was raining, and a, and a bird hit the windshield, 
and got stuck in the windshield wiper back and forth. I mean, we're talking just the weirdest stuff has happened with birds. And, and you know, and probably the craziest one was a couple, uh, couple of years ago, we were on vacation in South Carolina and we were biking on this beautiful bike trail and this bird comes and lands on her head. <laughs> just like, she's learned to wear hats when we go biking. But uh, it's just crazy. Here's what I know. With phobias, the thing that you're afraid of always has a way of finding you. You know what I'm saying? Because I've never had one. Have you had one land on your head? You would feel it, Mark. But anyway, uh, so, sorry, Mark. Oh, sorry. Love you, brother. Um, here's another fear. Fear of projectophobia. And what is the fear of projectophobia? This one's great. This is school projects. How many of you love school projects? Okay. Well, here, you love pro Melody, of course. So anyway, uh, but how much turmoil does the science project cause families? I love this kid did this project. And what the kid did is, here's the materials. At least one kid, at least one grudging parent, a half-baked idea, very dubious merit and procrastination. That's the materials. Here's the result. And you see the, the chart that they do here. The, and, and actually, you see the yelling and the crying. And over time, as it gets closer to the due date, there's more yelling and crying. And, and so the student had actually polled people. They found out 75% of kids cry, 90% of parents yell. And an average of 15 hours of family time is sacrificed. So here's the finding. Findings. Everyone hates the science fair project. Susan, you get an A-plus for this. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Um, here's another fear. Uh, this one is a crazy word. I, I, yeah, take a look at this word, and next slide, erythrophobia, and try pronouncing that. Isn't that crazy? You know what that is? The fear of peanut butter. Yeah, somebody actually has... People actually have the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth and kind of working through that crazy stuff. Here's another one. You'll probably all get this. Technophobia. Technophobia. Okay. Uh, this is the fear of technology. Echo glasses came out. And echo glasses where you can wear the glasses. And so you got your glasses. And these are not echo. These are, these are $1 glasses at dollar store. But the echo glasses that come out uh, and, and what happens is that you can say, it, it, you can talk to it, and it'll give you the answers of different things you're looking It'll play music and everything else like that. And to that, a number of you in here go, ooh, I hate technology and the ability to do that. But, um, you know, anybody have an Amazon Echo in their house? A dot? My wife won't let me have one in the house. It's in my office. She goes, it listens to us. Here's the bottom line. Technology is always listening to us. Careful what you say. You know, as we look at some of the other fears, here's the fear of odontophobia. What in the world? Odontophobia. Fear of... Dentists. Fear of dentists. Take a look at that. Uh, I was that kid. Uh, I went, when I grew up in Philadelphia, West Philadelphia, born and raised. Uh, my grandma would take me to get dental work at the University of Pennsylvania Dental Hospital. So people that were not yet dentists worked on my teeth. And uh, so I understand that fear. Uh, what are you afraid of? You know, it's, it's fun to laugh about some of this stuff, but the bottom line is that there's a lot of stuff that we're afraid of. In Matthew 14, 26, it says, they cried out in fear. 
And right away, Jesus called out to them, Be brave, it is I, don't be afraid. And so, again, what we often hear is, Don't be afraid, don't be afraid. And, and you know, that's just like, I, I understand, don't be afraid, but, but I'm fearful. Give me something more than just that. You know, if you take a look at that, don't be afraid. Why? Because Jesus says, it is I. That's that next piece. So if you go back, don't be afraid, it is I. You know, I was thinking, you know, this year, watching all the hurricanes that have hit the United States, that storms, a hurricane is the biggest storm. And when you look at the hurricane, what's at the center of a hurricane? It's the eye of the hurricane. The eye is at the center. In Isaiah chapter 46, 14, or verse 4 says this. Isaiah 46, 4. I will continue to carry you even when you're old. I will take care of you even when your hair is gray. Thank God. Uh, I have made you and I will carry you. I will take care of you and I will save you. I am the Lord. Jesus is, he, God is the eye of the hurricane, the eye of the storm that you're facing, whatever that is. When you're in the center, you're not feeling everything around you. It's swirling all around you, but you know you can have peace in the center of that storm. And you also know more storms are coming, but in the center of it, I know this. I am at peace with my God. And so right away, Jesus called out to them, be brave. It is I. Don't be afraid. Why? Don't be afraid. It is I. We can trust him and we can be brave. And with that, what happens when we're brave? Watch what happens when we're brave. In the next portion of the scripture, in verse 28, it says, Lord, is it you, Peter asked? If it is, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. So Peter got out of the boat. And he walked on the water toward Jesus. Wow. Wow. The bravery that he saw inspired him to step out of his boat and to be brave. That's why that story, that testimony. What a powerful testimony. But that inspires us. She stepped out of the boat. And we're like, okay, we could step out of the boat too and share our faith with somebody in our neighborhood, somebody we work with, somebody we go to school with, somebody we're online with. We can step out and we can share our faith. Now let me tell you, it's scary. And it's scary when you've got one foot in and one foot out of the boat. So we did a series, and, uh, and, and I noticed you have all the lights, so just kind of you know, trying to make it visual and kind of doing all those things. And a GT... We did a series, a uh, follow series some years back, and I remember when I was preaching at uh, one of those sermons, we had, uh, somebody had built a boat on the platform. But when they used plywood, they used Luan plywood. Okay? And so it was, a prop, it was a prop that looked nice. It wasn't a prop that you can put up on, you know, on the lake. It wasn't a prop that I probably should have stood in. But for the sermon illustration, I remember stepping into the boat. And I had one foot in and one foot out. And as I noticed my foot going through the Luan plywood, I'm like, okay, this is not a good move. So you got to step out of the boat. you got to step out of the boat. Some of us have played it safe for so long, we're afraid to take a faith risk to share our faith. 
We're afraid to take a faith risk and do something that God's calling us to do. And so he's calling us to do that. And we go, but you know what? That kind of breakthrough, I don't have it. I don't possess it. And, and you know, in the midst of all of that, uh, many times, you know what happened here. In the midst of all of it, you know, Peter, he steps out of the boat. He's brave. Now, let's talk a little bit about brave and being brave, being courageous, being brave. Sometimes brave looks a lot like stepping out of the boat of our comfort zone. Sometimes brave looks like staying right where you are. Hey, you go, Tom, you're sending two messages. So here's the deal. Sometimes God calls you to step out of the boat. Sometimes he's calling you to stay in a situation. And you go, I just want to run. So we're wired, in, in the middle of conflict, we're wired, there's a default way we tend to be wired. For some of us, it's fight, and some of us, it's flight. And so in some situations, God's saying, you know what, I, I, want, you, I want you to stay, and I want you to continue to work through this thing during this time. I know this is a tough season for you. Let me say there's certain things I will say. That, that God does not want you to stay in a situation where you're being abused. Okay, so I want to be really, really clear on that. But I am saying that there's some situations that in America it's like, well, if it feels good, do it. You know, and people will always move towards whatever makes them most comfortable. Sometimes there's things that we do. For instance, in finances, Dave Ramsey. I was listening to some Dave Ramsey podcast yesterday. And, you know, and, and he's like, you know, live like no one else now so that you can live like no one else later. And he talks about ways we work on those financial storms. Some of us are in financial storms because we, 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 we are in a situation where a storm came up and financially, like COVID, no one's expecting that. I've, I've got a friend who bought a big warehouse for his business. He was expanding and he closed right two weeks before COVID hit. And so he's navigating all that. Some of you are in situations similar to that. Some of our financial situations are because we spend more than we make. And that causes issues. Dave Rams, I love what he says. He said, start selling stuff. Sell so much stuff that your kids think you're next. You know, and, and so working through those kind of things. And so for some of us, we're like, we always feel like we have to have the newest technology. We have to have the nicest car. And, and some of those decisions that we make put us further and further in the hole. So that's where the staying right where you are sometimes is, is kind of looking and saying, okay, I'm not ready to make this move yet for this reason. Sometimes being brave looks a lot like staying and being there when you want to run away. Renee Brown says this, and, and she wrote a, a, a book, Daring Greatly, and she said, sometimes the bravest and most important thing you can do is just showing up. So it was a year ago, I was preaching at a church in Western PA, at the end of the service, a person came into the back, a police officer, and he stood in the back. It's never a good thing when a fully clothed police officer in uniform stands in the back of your service. You're like, probably not good news. Um, and uh, we were praying with some people at the altar, and I sent one of the board members back to check and see, and then they start waving me back. Uh, so, you know, as people are still praying, I slipped out of the back, and I talked with him, and he told me, he said, uh, you know, uh, just wanted to share with you that uh, Trevor, uh, you know, 19 years old, was killed in a motorcycle accident this morning. And uh, this is the son of one of our people on our worship team. 
and she had actually before she had heard he was in an accident she left to see if he was okay but we weren't thinking anything along those lines and I, I remember what do you do when you have to basically give a death notification to a congregation and, and we all and that was a storm in the middle of it all we gathered together in small circles and, and just began to pray out and in the middle of those prayers, you know, I, I heard one of the one of our leaders in the church start to just cry and prayed audibly over all the small groups. And afterwards, I talked to them. I mean, it was a powerful prayer. And after that, tell me what happened, Jim. What led you to pray that way? And he said, my granddaughter died last year in a car accident. And so uh, what do you do? Um, and so I asked Jim, I said, Jim, you know, would, would you and your wife come with me to, to Brendan Paul's house? And we went over to the house. Let me tell you, I wanted to run. I, I, I didn't want to be in the midst of all that pain and grief because, you know, we were all dealing with that, but, but we just had to show up. We just had to be there. Sometimes we're like, I don't know what to say. Just be there. Just show up. Just reach out. And so, in the midst of all this, let me just tell you that, that fast forward in the middle, uh, you know, uh, that day I said, whatever you do, you want to celebrate Trevor's life. And so, uh, and, and there, was, there was a lot to celebrate in his life. In fact, a thousand people showed up for the viewing. It was so big I couldn't do it at the church, I couldn't do it at the funeral home. Trevor was the high school athlete, and now he was in college at the Penn State campus. And so with that, they did it at the baseball field. And the funeral was the next day. I preached the funeral. Twelve people shared stories of Trevor's life. And it really pointed to an opportunity. What do you do? you taking a picture? <laughs> well, come on, take it out. Here we go. Ready? Action shot. Got it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but in the middle of all that, I want you to know, they sang the song, Put Me in Coach. And I said, there's a God that wants to put you in the game. Yeah. Trevor's glove, Trevor's glove had Psalm 23 written on it, engraved. I asked his roommate, I said, I brought his roommate, I said, I, where did Psalm 23 come from? He said, we were, look, we were supposed to put something on. We didn't know what to put. And uh, Charles said, what should I put? And he said, well, my favorite scripture is Psalm 23. And so I'm like, okay. And that's how that got on there. Little did we know. So as I pulled out the glove and talked about it, I said, you know, uh, our life fits into faith like a hand in the glove. And so I want, you know, as we're all like caring about face masks, and we're all caring about gloves and all kinds of stuff, when we look at that, let me tell you, your life fits into faith like a hand in a glove. And when we give our life to Jesus, and that day there was an invitation for people to respond and, and just to give their life to the Lord. And let me just share with you today, whatever storm you're facing in life, there's a God you can trust. And he's there for you in the middle of that storm, whatever it is that you're facing. You know, and so as we walk through this, uh, being brave, your brave might not look like my brave. Uh, and, and that's the case here with Peter. So Matthew 14, verse 30, 
31. But when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid. He began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. You know, what happens when we begin to sink? Usually when we begin to sink, we can look around and sometimes it's because we've taken our eyes off of Jesus. And we've looked at all the circumstances around us. And, uh, and with that, you know, Jesus, you know, reaches out and grabs him. And, you know, again, he, but in the middle of this, being brave, sometimes brave looks like crying out for help. Sometimes we find ourselves in a tough situation. Don't go it alone. We all need help. Here's some vulnerability myths. Now, Brene Brown, she's a sociologist, and so she, she writes a few of these things. She thinks, she says that sometimes we think that vulnerability is equal to oversharing or weakness. Vulnerability is just, it's not, it's just, when we look at that, we're admitting our weaknesses, but it's not saying that we are, uh, and with the oversharing piece, let me just tell you on this, I think here's the struggle. On Facebook, I see so many people that overshare. There's just certain things I don't need to know about you. And uh, there's certain things that, you know, and you go, well, don't you really care? There's certain things that I tell the people that are closest to me. And so with that, be careful of that piece. But vulnerability is, is that place where we say, and I've had men that will say, I don't do vulnerability. I don't do it. I've had people that will say, I can go it alone. Here's the reality. And, and I think, it, again, in that testimony that, that Pam had shared, that you know, a person comes to the time where they lose their lifelong partner in life, and guess what they realize? They need somebody. And aren't you glad that when we recognize we need somebody, there's people around us that we can reach out to, and there's a God we can reach out to. In fact, Tim Keller says this. He said, you don't realize Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. All you have. How many of you have Jesus? Aren't you glad you have Jesus? You know, right away it said, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Let the Lord catch you. You may feel like you're falling, you're sinking. Let him catch you. Your faith is small, he said. Why did you doubt me? Now, when you look at that, you're like, oh, man, just, Yes. Because Jesus said, a faith of a mustard seed can move a mountain. So in the middle of this, he's telling Peter, you know what? If you had stronger faith in this, if you continue to look at you know, me, you continue to, but you looked at all your surroundings. So it was a teachable lesson for Peter. But let me tell you, Peter's faith was bigger than the rest of the disciples who were still in that boat. And so with that, one of the things that you'll see is sometimes, you know, somebody's got to take that first step. Somebody's got to take that first step. In a marriage, somebody has to take the first step. Somebody has to say, I, I want to reverse this relational storm that we've been going through. Now, here's what happens. A lot of times, somebody will they'll hear a sermon like this, and they'll go, I'm going to take that first step. I'm going to do it. And they'll go home, and so somebody will give a smart answer. And then, then we are like, I'm going to be calm. I'm not going to add fuel to the fire. And so we're calm. In fact, we may do it for a day. We may do it for a week. We may do it for two weeks. And then we go, well, it didn't work. It didn't work. And they'll say, I was nice. I tried, and it didn't change them. Let it change you. Let it change you. And you see, you're responsible for your own actions. And in the middle of all this... You go, I don't have a strong faith. Reach out to him. He's got a strong one. 
to help you through it. Uh, and in the middle of this, let me say that it takes time to reverse years of dysfunction. And sometimes when you get to that place where you go, I don't know what to do, it's good to reach out to some other people that will hold it private and pray with you. Being brave, sometimes brave looks a lot like faith. And it said, when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those on the boat worshipped Jesus. They said, Jesus, really, you really are the Son of God. You really are the Son of God. They crossed over the lake and landed in Gennesaret. Sometimes brave looks a lot like trust. And so here's the question I have for you today. Will you trust God with your life? Will you trust him with your life? Will you trust him to the storm that you're in? Will you trust him with your life and saying, Jesus, I'm going to give you my life. You know, as I walk through all these things, I'm going to take my, my eyes off of everything else here, and I'm going to focus on you. And go, well, time, you can't quite do that because you still have to pay your debt. You still have to do this. You have to do all that. Keep your central focus on Jesus. Your central focus on Jesus. How do you do that? Let me show you. Just, uh, just in terms of when we look at that, God can make you brave. He can give you that strength. Would you bow your heads? And as you bow your heads, we're going to, in a few moments, close. Uh, but I want to ask you this question. How many of you right now say, Tom, I'm going through, I'm going through a health storm right now? If that's you, raise your hand. Don't be shy. Thank you. Anyone else? Going through a health storm right now. How many right now say, Tom, today I'm going to make a change and I'm going to commit that I'm going to do something to reverse some of my health habits that haven't been healthy? I'm going to do that. Yeah, more hands. Thank you. How many today say financially I'm going through a financial storm? How many say I'm going through a relational storm? I'm going through an emotional storm. I'm going through a storm right now that's pretty private, pretty secret. Thank you. And I realize there's probably some of you that are going through a secret or private storm. And at this point, don't even feel like I can even raise my hand to that. But right now, you're, you're opening up your heart to that. God, we just pray that you'd speak to each of our hearts, each of our situations. Lord, you know what we face. And you are God. Be the center of of our storm. Be the center of our storm. And Jesus, we trust you. We trust you with our life. And let me ask you one more thing while heads are still bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you're here today and say, Tom, you know what? I've been doing this thing where I have one foot in and one foot out of the boat with my faith in Jesus. Or maybe you say, I've never, I've never stepped out. I've never stepped out to where Jesus is at. Today I want to give my life to Christ. Or today I want to recommit my life to Him. Or I want to stop playing games by being halfway in and halfway out. You say, today I'm all there with Jesus. And you go, I'm taking that step today. Thank you. I see that hand. Yes. Anyone else? Lord, thank you. Thank you that we don't have to be halfway in and halfway out. But God, we can be all the way with you. And Lord, help us in the middle of our storm. In Jesus' name.